0: Hello to my beautiful sexy sex pots. This is Brenda Davies. I'm the creator and host of God is Gray. And today we have a really fun episode. We're talking to Nathan Willett of the Cold War Kids. I originally discovered Nathan's affiliation with Christianity when I saw this article in the Daily Beast called Cold War Kids, Nathan Willett, My Evangelical Struggle. So this conversation is so fun to me because Nathan wound up reading my book on her knees. And as any of you who have read the book know, Half of On Her Knees is about my evangelical struggle to save sex for marriage and clinging on to, quote, purity for dear life, but that the other half of the book is really about indie sleaze and the teenage dirtbag era. So Nathan and I were gallivanting around and partying, in the same circles, in the heyday of teenage dirtbag indie sleaze, and we were there with, you know, Steve Aoki, Mark the Cobra Snake, Katy Perry, Kanye, Jeremy Scott, (sighs) who else was there? So many people, Paris Hilton come through, Lindsay Lohan. It was a lot of fun, it was a really good time. The pictures, of course, are a disaster. We all looked filthy but we were doing what many young people all throughout history have done, which is to break free of their households and really figure out what sexuality and spirituality and relationship and art means to us nathan and i discussed partying at CineSpace, which was the place to be in that era believing in anarchy at its finest and the mystical experience of creating art and doing it intuitively so i really hope you enjoy this conversation between myself and nathan of the cold war kids Hi Nathan.
1: Hi Brenda. How <laughs> Thanks are you? for
0: coming on God is Gray, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, we already discussed that you're going to kick off this conversation because the beginning of conversations is always the most challenging mm-hmm. and I just want to dive right in because we share a lot of similar history yeah. as it pertains to religion and Christianity and our thoughts on that. We both live in Los Angeles in this uh-huh. crazy world. So, give it to me. What are we discussing? Okay,
1: similar age, similar place we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Cinespace. That would be, you were a, at that's Cinespace? a great jumping off point. You know, like, I went a couple of times, but you were like a, were you like, you're like a mainstay, a scenester, Cinespace. Mm-hmm. I, it just was like, so funny that in your book, reading that and going like, oh my God, this time and place, and you were very apologetic about clothes style things of that moment Head dresses. took me back like I was like whoa <laughs> because that was such for Cold War Kids our like we have these friends that are in this other band the color we all lived in these little like two different places in Whittier mm-hmm. which is just weird because we it was the cheapest rent and a lot of like we would play shows in LA and um but Cinespace and that whole world both felt like such a specific and forgotten moment in time, but also something that in that moment was like everything.
0: Yeah, did you ever play there? Because for anyone who is not aware, Cinespace was like this cultural hub. It was the very beginning of social media. Nobody had camera phones. We just had our little flip Nokia. Did you talk
1: about it in the book? There was a guy, you talked about it, the guy who... Yeah, yeah, who posted uh-huh. right okay, yeah,
0: so yeah, there was this party photographer <laughs> named yeah. Mark the Cobra Snake, Mark Hunter, and he'd go around. Steve Aoki is always DJing, uh-huh. my friend anna Calderon always DJing, uh-huh. them jeans is another great DJ from that era. They always had bands playing in the back, and I think it was like there were always really big bands of that time as yeah. well, and yeah. it was. The party photographer slinking through, and you would try to do anything to impress him because uh-huh. if he took a photo of you, you could wind up being the main photo when you're like scrolling uh-huh, uh-huh, through, which uh-huh. I only had the honor of once. But okay, know, that's better than nothing, a huge honor, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then you would just like scour it every time and look for you and all of your friends, and yeah. now it's like this capsule of time, yeah. And the style was horrendous. Like, in retrospect, like... Was
1: there, like, feathery things? Like...
0: I always had feathers hanging from my hair. A lot of layers of things. A lot of layers. Like, Goodwill clothes just, like, piled on top of each other. No bra. Lots of um, feather tattoos. Antler tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Headbands, like, 70s headbands. Yes, headbands. headbands. It was...
1: Boys, just skinny jeans. And, of course, a lot of, like, this.
0: Yeah. Those that, what is it called? It's I mean not this is hipster.
1: like emo haircut scene. kind of um scene. <laughs> scene. Like Which I feel like hair. we were definitely not totally untouched by that. There was a like scene moment. I mean, like skinny jeans, it's like this is my problem is always like I'm a like I'm not a skinny person. All of my like rock and roll friends are eighty pounds lighter than me you know <laughs> um it was a hard time to be a big guy in the scene you know <laughs> and yeah. squeezing into those skinny jeans but you being kind of top just bigger you know v net like low v's for guys that too was an essential low. Like, too low oh fit. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely um yeah CineSpace. <laughs> yeah there was a lot of things in there I was like oh but like in the way that that time and place but then just kind of that age in general you're supposed to feel like a certain amount of like oh my god I forgot about that there um
0: was an energy to it that was really special though yeah which your band is definitely a part of
1: yeah i don't i, I like i really have to think because like uh producer i work with all the time Sky guy lars He similar to me like he was there for that he was talking i mean we were talking not that long about the posting of the pictures, like what a phenomenon that was. And of course, like how, like no matter what, you're always going to seem like the oldest person by telling people like, you'll never understand what it was like before social media and iPhones could take a picture. Nobody had a camera. All you had was like, this is incredible. But then one person is documenting it and then posting it in a place where everyone is going. Cause there's no other place to go. This is the, mm-hmm. place. so like, yeah, just how, how different that was. And also, which is very much your book touches on, it's like, it's not just that, like, it was a unique scene and a very, like, party scene in this way that there wasn't to go in, like, almost like a, there wasn't, like, a sense that, like, if you're a hipster, you were more, like, compassionate liberal person there's like this is it's also like young kids aren't oh shit, i don't know i don't know are young kids as political but like we then were the like this is pre sort of like uh policing yourself pre like a liberal self of like no you can't say that or do that it was like it was a wild time mm-hmm. <laughs> and i guess like when i think of any scene like thinking about music scenes especially it's like there's something like essential about their like chaos and there's a a certain amount of chaos in that time and place and it's like it's Hollywood like it's the place that has had a million dips and dives and is like the most like for Hollywood to have been really hip in that moment it was like it was, I don't know, it was unique. And, um, and also like, there wasn't a moral code, right?
0: Yeah. And I do agree that beautiful art can come out of the, the lack of policing everything that you say or think or do. And obviously that touches huge in Christianity. That was like, moving from one strict set of rules to a brand new one. And at the same time, not having a moral code is also to our detriment because I'm so impressed by Gen Z, how they're teaching me so much about my own sexuality. Like I just came out as bi in the pandemic and so did many friends of mine in the same age range because we're watching these younger generation be like, it's fine. I mean, all the way like growing up, men couldn't be bi it was just a gateway drug to being fully gay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i love that those rules no longer apply that gender is just a whole different conversation like we were not having any of those conversations we were just partying maybe (laughs) and wearing
1: but again i feel like that's like those gen z kids um anytime an old person is trying to speak a truth about a young person it's always rough so but in saying this forgive me but i feel like it's like it's not out of like for us for me being aware of the the reasons for those changes and like politically the world and what happens and how we want to create progress but like if you're young you just know what's right like you, you know what i mean it's not like a an intellectual like realization like oh my god i'm i'm bi it's like my were my my peers my friends like of course we are why wouldn't we be it's just like that's it feels true for us and do you know what i'm saying does that make sense i don't know if that makes sense it's like i there's something like that is in a in a group of people in different times it's like there's just like a, a agreed upon i don't know I, I guess that's like it's exciting to me to think about gen z kids and how all the things you just said and how to them it's like yeah it's just the right thing to do it's not like um whether they like had to um sever ties with their parents or march for it or all those things that are like it feels almost like they're just like what yeah of course of course I deserve this
0: yeah I think I know what you're saying okay like I talked to a makeup artist she was Norwegian and she was telling me that her daughter is like eight or something Mm -hmm. and they went to the doctor and she had to check whether she was male or female and she said to her mom she's like why do I have to check this? And yeah. then they had that whole conversation. Yeah. She's like, it doesn't matter. And she was just eight years old. Yeah. But it was coming from this, like, purity in her. It wasn't... Yeah. It just didn't... It wasn't and comprehensible How
1: did she her. get that? Like, that's incredible. How, do, how, do, how was that an assumption for her that she could speak out loud to her mom whereas, like, our age, like, it'd be like, I'm very aware of this, of these two genders and how they're not, you know? Well... I think it's wonderful like I think that girl asking that question like it's like I have three daughters and like I was just talking to somebody about like do you wish you had a boy and it's like it it doesn't really matter to me in this way because it's like I have three people I have three (laughs) kids.
0: Do you feel that you grew up with strict gender scripts because I definitely did in my household. My dad is in his 80s now. So just being a product of his time. It was like, girls are like this. He definitely would have been disturbed or upset if my brothers had a Barbie or had uh-huh. interest even in a pink toy. Like now that I have my son, if he's playing with a pink toy, I thought, I wonder if my dad would be like, get that away from yeah. him, like back yeah. in the day. Uh And then, of course, when I went to church and I got really immersed in that culture, it just magnified everything. And I think of all these ridiculous fallacies that they, they told us about gender and sexuality, for example men are really visually stimulated and Mm -hmm. men want sex for the physicality of it. Women want sex for the emotional Mm -hmm. value of it and realizing that that just alienated all of us. Cause as a woman who is very sexually motivated primarily by the physicality of it, if anything, I've had to like work harder to be like, okay, yes, this should also be emotional. Um, as you know, from reading my book, I think Mm -hmm. that, It just made me feel crazy. Like I was way too hypersexual and that was unusual. And then I talked to more and more women who had felt so alienated by this idea. And then even young women today, when they're watching porn or when they're hitting on their boyfriends and their boyfriend is turning them down, it becomes this whole thing of, am I too sexual? And then men who every once in a while don't want sex or aren't motivated by the same things like what kind of gender scripts did you grow up with were they set in stone in your mind and has that changed for you over time did Um, you always feel like i am a man and maybe you didn't feel challenged by it because you fit into it
1: no i think that my i think that for like My brother's two years older than me. He's like him and his friends introduced us to like every, all the music that we were ever into. And I think at the time that we were like junior high, high school and listening to like punk music. And that became the like, in a lot of ways, the like realization or the outlet for a, a like a, a feminine energy. And, and I think that then like looking at like, the you know bro jockey bully football player or the beautiful cheerleader or whatever and like the identity of the like punk kid becomes sort of like those those ideas of gender are really stupid and basic and were like but i don't know how developed it was beyond that but i think like there are certain bands and certain music like we listen to this band propaganda and like this um there was like all the these ideas trickled in there about like i'm trying to think of specific examples of like things that we read or lyrics or things like that but like the idea of like there's a band called the queers that like we think is awesome and we know that if like friends at our high school or or people at our high school knew that we liked the queers they'd be like they would want to like they would hate you they would be really uncomfortable with that but that becomes a badge of like honor for you because you're like no like this is other this is cool but it's not that realized it's not that intellectualized at the time it's just like we like things that like are pushing buttons that are making the you know people uncomfortable and are but yeah, at the same time it's incomplete because I didn't like uh, you know I didn't have like openly gay friends in high school I didn't have like um, those conversations um, but I also at the same time like I feel like my friends, were, there were a bunch of my friends that were like athletes that got kicked off the team or something and really struggled to identify with like who they were and what they were about. And then they started calling our crew like the circus. And the circus was like, would go to parties and like be funny and crazy and chaotic. And I, there's almost a way of being like, I don't know, like uh, that was that was a rebellion of being, being cool and being, hyper male or something in a way
0: yeah i've never thought of like punk and anarchy and that whole thing as being an affront to gender and sexuality but it really is and i'm also remembering speaking of cine space era days being so turned on by boys with nail polish eyeliner i
1: mean that was obviously it's like 70s glammy like callback to that but those like I guess like Killers, Panic at the disco like what other bands were. So many-
0: Bowie is like an og Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: which, yeah, it was like, I think probably really liberating for a lot of boys to be like, um, I'm not part of that, like hyper-masculine, you know, these roles that are, you're here and I'm here, it's like, it's crossing.
0: Yeah. So now I think I understand more what you were saying before of like that party vibe and just being just the ruckus of all of it. Yeah. Just being an affront to these ideas. And now the next generation is coming in and they're putting names to it and definitions. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, it yeah exactly. And like Thank helping you. us understand it yes. in a more concise way. But like even is identifying. Why this is right. Yeah. Yeah. Identifying things because I do yeah, I I've always been into the ruckus. I've always been into the wilds. People and people that are on the outskirts of society have always been my favorite. I've made many mistakes by dating a lot of mm-hmm, these people. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that type of like um, debauchery, the type of like cocaine and like sex in the dressing room with some random person, and like uh, for me, not be like I I have to, I don't know if it's like. Uh, breaking down like because of a Christian upbringing or because of a um, a shy like a more of a shy person or what it is exactly but like that type of thing to me was like always a mixture of like kind of fascination and just like ugh, like I don't like it it doesn't feel right to me like it feels and again like I wouldn't have had the language but like it feels exploitive it feels like Like sleeping with your fan, or this person that you like is at your show, and you—I wouldn't have had the language for like a power dynamic, but like things like that. It's like, yuck. I I hate that. And I would see that in all these other artists, and just be like, there's no way I'm gonna talk about it. There's no way I'm gonna like, you know. But for me, that's not for me, you know. And so I, um, it's the last couple years of watching the world change and recognize a lot of those things. It's interesting for me to just kind of like, wow, I. Um, You're in the clear.
0: I felt very
1: prudish, you know, a lot of yeah. the time, like for that reason. Um, but also, the in the clear thing is a very funny, like kind of, like it's. I don't know. There, it's just been a fascinating thing to watch so many musicians, friends over the last couple of years, go like, oh my god, oh shit. Like, I, there's there's always like, what if you know something, and it's like, that makes my brain We're go to so many the places of like yeah like
0: yeah.
1: okay well if you did something that allows you to get me to then you you probably should get you know um, canceled or not able to do what you do or like the conversation is is huge and fascinating and like you know very dangerous to somebody who says something really stupid which I can definitely am... Um, am on the verge of doing right now so i don't know <laughs> you know just
0: say
1: but i do think like yeah mm-hmm. people need to talk openly about it
0: it's interesting because you have me thinking about if i i always had this fantasy which i mentioned in my book of being this rock star mm-hmm. and to be completely candid my story is very long complicated and i mesh together certain circumstances or certain people and characters So there was another particular breed of rock star that I saw being, I wouldn't have called it exploitative, but maybe it is, but just, yeah, banging fans and picking a girl out of the crowd or having his bodyguard pick out people. And I've been in the circles of beautiful women who were getting plucked out of the crowd to be brought backstage. And I've always looked at those boys in my younger years, before I like really, I guess, had my head on straight, just been like, oh, to just be a hot guy, just like doing whatever I want, getting back on the bus, like having it all. And I'm so much more, I'm apparently way more experiential and inappropriate than you had been in your okay. career. Yeah. I think I would have chosen a different path and maybe I would have been in trouble because if I think about my story, even as it's written, I've definitely been exploitative. And I don't know that, I don't think as far as I know that I'd have any me toable experiences, but also the dynamic of being a woman, like, there is the script of like, I'm offering my body to you. I'm not overpowering you sexually, but here I am. And then it was more like in the aftermath of how I treated people of like not calling them back or being like, I already had sex with you. What more do you want from me? And that might've felt really differently if I was a man, if I was a rock star doing that. And it's interesting that you just had no interest in it i mean good for okay sure. no
1: i shouldn't say had no interest in it okay,
0: <laughs> like, okay. just so everybody knows you have been married you're in a long-term relationship yeah. with the same person and we already had coffee and you claimed have never cheated yeah okay. <laughs>
1: Oh my I'm god. Mad. We're on the record here. Yeah. Um, it's
0: astonishing though cuz I've been cheated on even in circumstances that I did not think it was going to happen. So, being married and shacked up with a rock star, I would I wouldn't believe you, I don't think.
1: Yeah. I guess it. In a way for me it's like it's um I think early on I had a sense it was like there's a performance that comes with like I think a like a seduction. Like a like a mm-hmm. I want you, let's create a well you fantasy create energy with the crowd. Right. Right. Yes. right. And our band like we joke about this all the time, but it's like I that is real. Like I see how that is real, but it's also like that uh, attraction and and like um, okay, how do you say this? Like the, the the being like uh, a creative person and thinking about the best thing that a movie or a book or a song or anything can do, um, I can see, to me like sex is a part of that where like um, you could hear or watch that thing and go like, I wanna have sex with that person. But in a lot of ways, that can be a reductive uh, desire, like a true and like legit one, but also one that, like, isn't uh, like um, if I am like thinking of like 1968 and I'm seeing Bob Dylan in, in, and I'm like, I want to have sex with this man. But like, what I really want is like to live in the world of his poetry, to live to like be immersed in the the beauty of a world that like is um that he made Mm. and that's why i want to be near him and like as close as i can to me in some ways the thing of like being a musician and uh, creating that allure with your fans is like necessary and essential but like reducing it I shouldn't say reducing it because that seems like somehow like judgmental or something. But like thinking that like sex will get you all of what that person has is is short sighted, I guess. Is it? Well, that's is that right? Does 100% that make sense? percent because okay.
0: I'm thinking about how there's that saying of never meet your idols. Yeah. And I've had that experience many times. And I know a lot of people who have slept with celebrities and they have their celebrity stories. And I just imagine that there is a duality in you, like Beyonce calls herself Sasha Fierce. And it's, it is a performance. And I'm sure that in that moment, it is an energetic exchange. And I think that's why it turns people on because it's like, you are giving energy, they're giving it back to you. And then the sexual element I think would come in of just being like, and now I want to like go backstage and revel in that energy and like really exchange that energy with this person. But the issue is that when they get off stage and you're backstage with them or whatever, that they're not that person that is right. the i think it's still completely authentic because performance and art is an authentic expression of the person but they're not going to be this facade that they've created for you to enjoy and to exchange mm-hmm. energy with they're going to like have their cards on the table or they're going to be problematic or they're going to be selfish or they're not going to be the thing that was like perhaps more evenly exchanging with you. I think that's when the power dynamic changes and shifts as well. But, I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? That it's like, you are keeping those two entities separate, like you yeah. as Nathan yeah. versus the performer. Um And I just also don't understand. I mean, I'm not (laughs) trying to challenge you or call you a liar, but like, (laughs) I just really can't imagine seeing something exceptionally beautiful that I would want, like looking up at me, which I do think would be strange. Like as, as much as I'm not a celebrity, if someone, I have had people come up to me and get very excited to meet me and imagining having sex with them just feels so utterly wrong to me because it would be like, oh, I'm not going to take advantage. If you're looking up at me, that's not the way that I would want to exchange my sexual energy. So I don't know. Is it that? Was it too uncomfortable of like not being on the same, not level, but like people looking up at you? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I do think it's for this example it's kind of funny it's like yeah because in a lot of ways like well i guess in some ways like monogamy is always a a, has a component of repression involved like you don't stop being attracted to and want to have sex with other people it's not um and then in the case of like being a performer how to like navigate that um is uh yeah it's like a conversation i've never really had before i guess
0: it's okay you don't have to have an answer <laughs> <for> it. it's <laughs> just so perplexing to me because i have just lived very differently than that yeah and I imagine, from your experience, at least from mine, you would be in the minority of men that have been on tour that have not taken advantage of all that access to yeah. Um, women.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: But I think there's also an <laughs> evening of the playing field now because with dating apps, suddenly men have more access to women. Yeah, you than don't, they don't ever need have. to be
1: on a stage or like yeah. you. Um... You yeah, can text totally. someone
0: and be like, come over. That and is literally like, I never thought of it
1: that way. That's like the reason that like, um, yeah, like, I don't know, David Bowie or Mick Jagger or whoever, it will not, like Harry Styles is, uh, is the closest thing to that, but it will never be the same because people are just, their access is different. And um, their access to be able to fulfill like fantasies and or have uh sex with less of a like connection i guess or or uh yeah yeah it's different
0: okay so we're talking about the energy exchange and how your art is obviously an expression of whatever you might be going through and you touched on this a little bit and i heard you talk to pete holmes about this as well of like when you are in a more grounded state and your life is not chaotic and you're not in the ruckus anymore have you ever worried or been concerned that your inspiration would die out or that what you have to say wouldn't be as impactful do you ever run out of artistic expression
1: yeah totally um uh, yeah i think creativity is something that you need to really protect in this weird way. I almost want to connect it to the conversation we're just having about sex is that it's like, you have to, um, when things become very like transactional, it can be like, it can be money in relationships or sex or whatever it is, like, a, like a, I do see like creativity just like goes out the window Mm -hmm, and um and so yeah like yeah there's a lot of creative process and being inspired that i think happens in um for me like in solitude in in being away from everything and feeling like um uh and i'm an introvert and that's just you know my nature as well but like uh there's an innocence like you have to there's an innocence that that has to for me um the child likeness the whatever like the person who paints and has to feel like they're not uh that it's childlike that it's free and um so i feel like that's part of probably why i need to be there
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah do you believe that there is a source you need to be tapped into you have to be tapped into divinity or does it come from different places
1: it comes from different places yeah i think it's like i like i i get a lot from reading um and uh but like yeah i don't know it comes from just i guess honesty or um You have a John Fonte book back there? Mm -hmm. I love John Fonte. Me too. Like, um, he is somebody that, like, I could definitely, like, he has this, like, and, like, grew up strict and Catholic and a mother that represents all this sort of, like, like repression, but, like, love. And then he wants to be a famous writer and move to L.A. And be wild and free and he's constantly wrestling with that like dichotomy and that is like so
0: relatable so relatable just like that
1: because there's the two extremes there's the like the like every like music and creativity like you have to have the sort of like saturday night party i went crazy and messed up everything and then sunday morning like return and like it's funny how in all art I think you need that. I was just watching the like that movie Don't Look Up that came out like a couple days ago Mm -hmm. and like the Timothy Chalamet character is the like conservative Christian kid and it's like it's so funny because in some ways like I think the type of person that's going to be watching that movie would look at that character and go like like oh he's sort of like uh dumb you know or like sort of like like oh that's cute like he's praying but he also like provides the emotional anchor of the ending like it gives you like a moral sense like in the end he's like does like a prayer that's like
0: I was bawling my eyes really down. that's I, aw- wow okay no I found it so effective for exactly the reason you're talking about because he did seem so dumb and he was trying to be so many things yeah. and then in the end it was just beautiful because that prayer to me was just given as an offering yeah. it was like and he even started it by saying forgive us for our doubt. Just acknowledging that like, just in case you're out there and just in case you need us to say, sorry, I'm going to start by saying that. And then he just offered it. And I thought it was really, really beautiful, beautifully done because to not acknowledge that in the final, I mean, not to give it away, but you know, in the final moments of anything that people wouldn't be seeking divinity, like how many people say, I never pray unless there's turbulence on the plane. So it was kind of that moment of acknowledgement that we are so multifaceted. You can be intellectual and political and artistic and fuck things up on a Saturday and come to penance on a Sunday and have those Sunday scaries and still hold on to divinity or let it go and play with it and that's what we've been talking about so much in the zeitgeist as a whole yeah yeah
1: yeah that's cool (laughs) yeah um yeah that scene that moment and like what it what it even represents to like just um like if that movie didn't have that ending and that sort of character that provides like an emotionally raw and what could have seemed like, like passe, too intellectual. Well, no, like he, uh, the movie, yeah, is 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 is, is be, you know, as a metaphor for climate change and things. It's like trying to show you like the 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 consequences of our of capitalism and our greed is it. Even if you like mathematically, you know, can point to things that are like. The end is near, and it's awful. That there, I mean, there's no, there's no good news probably other than the gospel. In in in, a, in it is almost to me like what the movie is saying, without being overtly that at all. But it's sort of cuts itself like it's also showing you a character that you're like, he's like a punk kid. He's like so the typical like. There is like the scene where he's like, I hate my parents, you know, or something. And you're like, Yes, yeah. Like he's like, but he's the weird rebel dumpster kid that in the end is like, gives heart to everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Yeah, it's just like interesting, very interesting that they need, I think like Adam McKay, like, brilliant liberal. I don't know if he believes in God or any relationship to any of this, but like, he made that choice to be like, uh for i you know i don't know why but i feel like it's because like human beings we need reasons that are more than like math and impending doom and all these things that could seem like even like you know moral um rightness like when you feel that type of like grace that he's saying in that prayer you're like oh right it's um that that's where we feel love and compassion for this beyond just like
0: Oh, you're right. Love was at the center of that prayer too, which is really all that matters to me. Not all that matters, but it was it was a beautiful way of rounding everything up. And I think this really beautifully ties into how you maintain the longevity of your artistry and what you make and your expression being authentic. Because I found early in my writing, I was just putting blogs on MySpace to further age myself. And go back to that conversation. But a lot of people were reading it and there was no social media at the time or we didn't know what it was. So I didn't see the value in it. But I had like a readership of like 20,000 people and I didn't even comprehend that I could do anything with that. But I remember it just was so experimental and free because I was just being earnest and putting things up. And I noticed that whenever I tried to appeal to the masses and and kind of wash myself over and be like, well, everyone will want to hear this art suddenly becomes elevator music. It's like, it doesn't do enough. You lose the authenticity. And I had experimented with that thinking, oh, I want more people to be able to understand what I'm saying. And then I pivoted and realized that if I just deepened what I was doing and got even more specific with exactly what was going on inside of myself, that somehow that expands out into the masses because everyone can see themselves in your authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's like what Solomon says in the Bible, like every, all of these experiences, there's nothing new under the sun. We are all having these universal experiences of love and loss and fear and pride and pain and shame and all of those things. So I think the beautiful thing, that you are doing and talking about your Christianity and your upbringing and the way you see the world is that it ties all of those things together. Because if we're not actually diving into all of these things, it's like going from our childhood, that moment of adolescence, it's so messy and you're just destru- destructive. Like you're talking about this Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's like moving from the childhood earnestness which is where I really feel we ultimately should land. And Jesus even says that too, like, look at the faith of children. Like they just know, like the eight-year-old being like, my gender doesn't matter. Why are you even mm-hmm. asking me this? Mm-hmm. And then you go through the mess of the adolescence. And then if you can come out of it, I believe, and not take on all of the scripts of what people are trying to wash you over with and trying to, just vanilla us all and make us all these cookie cutters of whatever, our religious upbringing, our socioeconomic standing, whatever we identify ourselves as. I think if we can rise above all of that and find our humanity in these universal concepts and speak to our own personal experiences, that is where art becomes really powerful for me Mm -hmm. or books or music or any of it.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah and it's in some ways i maybe harder as you get older because so much like being harder, raw yeah. yeah like being raw about your like and it's funny too because we're right at the age of like coming up in social media where like people are documenting things that they wish they hadn't and they're like there are pictures online that you are going to prevent you from getting a job or something like that was brand new to our generation. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like, and there was like people like suffered from not knowing that. And I, and, and will continue to, you know, discover that. But um yeah, we got to back to the Cinespace and the single photographer and how it was like, you got to live with some anonymity and like being um, yeah, being oblivious to those consequences, and, like, I think that's awesome. That's what um, I, is good for. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I'm sad for kids that don't, uh, that have to be so self-aware, I think, um, in some ways, like, the, the trade-off, obviously, is ideally creating, like, a safer environment, obviously, but that at the same time, like, um, yeah, I don't know, uh,
0: there's some things that are better, some things that are yeah, worse. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And
1: I think it's it's important sometimes to know, like, like as like we would probably both identify as like progressive Christians. There's a side of that where it's like there's a truth that things are better, and there's a truth that like you lose some things as well. And there's like um, and that's one of them. But yeah, I think getting older and being like, uh, how do I find those? Like for me, like I I could. I can write a song and do things easier than I used to be able to in a lot of ways. But like technically, yeah, yeah, like, but to find what's emotionally like uh, vital about that thing, what like cuts through and is me or whatever about it is harder because it's, um, Yeah, it's just the the nature of it, Um, getting familiar with what you're good at and art in general and all those things. But um, so staying aware of your like, yeah, your messiness or your flaws or like all those things, like, um, yeah, it's interesting, it's harder.
0: Is there a particular song that you felt while writing Like you were really tapped in and then you found that it resonated with people or have you been even surprised thinking you're just haphazardly putting something out and then it has this deep resonance with people
1: yeah all the time that happens because it's strange I mean I think I think I am probably at my best and most natural and like I yeah you don't things are just happening like it's kind of like having friends over for a party and like you're not totally trying to be like all right now let's talk about this now I'm gonna leave and go get drinks and you guys should talk about this I want to make sure everyone's having fun <laughs> you know it's like then nothing happens it's like yeah. so controlled but so I feel like with writing songs and with a band and having a crew and a record label all of these different so many different things that make all this work um to keep that lightness and like um, like not be aware of all the stakes of what's happening and how like there are some people that they just want this to be successful. I feel
0: like the phrase "don't sell out" is of a generation past because yeah. I think yeah, about yeah. even being on Instagram and getting brand deals and taking a picture of myself holding a product mm-hmm. you would have I would have not allowed myself to do that mm-hmm. 15 years ago because I would have felt like a fraud and that's why I still have this standard where I'm like okay I'm only going to av- advertise products that I actually use that I actually love and I don't even know if I would stick to that long term I mean it's like if a uh, Coca-Cola comes and presents something or something, it would be hard to resist, maybe. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, I hope not. I think maybe that's the new version of selling out, just continuing with your authenticity and never getting so hungry that you're making compromises. But then there still is the funny visual of your favorite artist holding a product in an Instagram photo and that nobody is, like, giving them shit about it. Yeah. I no, mean, that's you different. Even, it's totally different for us. Yeah. You couldn't even been a model. like At the era that I was working on being an actress, I was terrified that I had fall, fallen into modeling because models oh. weren't actresses. You couldn't do mm. all these crossovers and right. stuff. But totally. I like that there's so much more opportunity to just... I, I don't know.
1: Well, it's kind of like, what's the difference between somebody who is really successful... And happy what they're doing and somebody who um, is like like in in some ways it just boils down to like if you have the money to live your life and have the things that you need to keep doing what you're doing then like that's kind of it if you don't have the money to keep doing it and you can't do your thing then that's sad (laughs) and like so if it's like yeah if you're um if you take some money from coca-cola yeah kid now it's like what what's great get your money whereas yeah for our like i remember um like early band arguments that we would have in like 2004 or something be like Gossip girl wants to use a song as thing and be like, I don't know. Is this going to be seen as, yeah, like a Chloe. sellout thing. <laughs> no I one remember talking, have a conversation no one, now. no one would be like, yeah. are you kidding me? Great. This is like, it's, it's great. Thank but then God. the like, yeah. the levels of like self, you know, like, having to really put yourself under this microscope and be like, are we this thing that, yeah, where did that even come from? Like we just had a different idea. Like to be this far from like having had a nine to five job or even like been in school and to be in this place where like, it's weird too, because uh, in some ways, like having access to your fans like never before, but like for me, I don't really like, I'm not as plugged in on that, like as I, could be because that's another thing that I am trying to kind of I'm both like on that line where I'm like I should be doing more because it's effective and important to be more like uh, talking to fans and connecting in that way but also I'm like but will I uh, like will that take away from something a little bit like those are abstract questions that you either just like sort of just have to go with it like i've already um every experience of reading a review or somebody saying why they think your new record sucks or why your old one is better or why this song is good or whatever it is like for better or for worse like it does have some effect on you and like Absolutely. i would love to not feel that way you know like i would love to be like the to just be like no i i do what i do and i like i do what inspires me um but i like and i the songs that i make or whatever like the it's just stuff that i like but um but i I think in a I think in a way it is like responsible responsible the dumb word for like being an artist but like i think it's i think it's good to Get older and understand like w- If somebody like people's feedback about you and what you're doing and why and what is making an impact to go like Oh, that's working. Okay. I should do more of that but again coming from like a more like purist artist kind of like Community it's sometimes like that would be seen almost more as like a weakness or something
0: well, I surprisingly relate to everything that you're saying because this whole thing is relevant to even us having this conversation right now, because I got in the machine of got to post all the time, all of these rules that I don't even know who made up Uh these rules of how often you're supposed to post and what time and all of that stuff. And I got synced up to that was posting a video every week. And then I had this personal crisis with my son and his health and everything. And I was forced to stop. But then when I had stopped, all of a sudden I could hear my own interior Uh and divinity as I would say it. And it was like, stop, no, Uh really stop. And I listened because I didn't have a choice. And also it just felt so stunningly true that it was time to stop and pause. And then when I looked at it, it was just, such a beautiful opportunity to get a bird's eye view. And there is this really, really delicate balance of getting in the flow. And at the same time, if you're an artist, and this could probably apply to many different career paths, but as an artist artist, if you're in that flow, people are following what you're doing. And they're they're allowing you to be the conduit to express whatever is inside of you. And they're relating to that. And then I think there can be a moment where you listen to what everyone is saying or how they're perceiving you or what they want you to do. And then you can start dipping down into that flow. And then all of a sudden you're just lost at a loss for inspiration and you're just Mm -hmm. following what everyone else is doing. I found myself like checking on Instagram and then commenting on things that were just in the zeitgeist of that little space. And I realize stepping out of that is a beautiful opportunity because then you're tapped for me, tapped into a source beyond what the population is saying. And that gives you an opportunity to actually be like, well, what needs to be said? Like what's next? Mm-hmm. And I think that's also relevant for what we talk about with Christianity and the way we see that too, because when you are, listening to everyone's opinions of you and you have your accountability partners and everyone is telling you what your gender and your sex and how you're supposed to behave and how a woman is and how a man is, all of that stuff. If you can somehow step back, which is exactly what I did in leaving the church, I was suddenly again tapped back into source and I could hear myself again and I could hear what was happening in that connection again. And that's when I feel I really finally got my footing And whenever I do give myself that opportunity, I get back on my feet and that inspiration exists, whether it be spiritually, artistically, with my writing, whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, with certain friends that I have who I can see, develop a lot of their like code for what's, what's good, what's right and important to do as like a parent or a person or a friend or all those things, Um, that in some ways, yeah, I think like being an artist, your responsibility is to like, to sort of not do, to not look at the things that go like, oh, well, you're just not supposed to do that to go, well, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if that, um, doesn't gain me a lot of like favor in my, you know, with my friends or with whatever it is, like, um. Yeah, I think to find truth, you have to step out of, like, normal society, you know, or whatever that, you know, like normal.
0: Which is why punk works. Like, it's not great that they were destroying hotel rooms and stuff and disrespecting people. (laughs) And at the same time, we still listen to their music and we still admire them in so many ways. Yeah. Because they were just all about anarchy and we need quite a bit of that to break
1: out of these systems. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. That is like, yeah, just with music and culture and where it's going and more of a sense of like, ah, being like, it's like, ah, it's, it's funny. funny. bass player and R.B.N. Moss and I, he also grew up in a lot of like Christian environments they say something like, there's, uh, I think a couple years ago through pandemic, it's like, I remember us having a conversation where he's like, "It's almost like the world is becoming so Christian." In the in like, but as this shorthand for like that type of like, I'm in church and everybody's like analyzing motives and this really strict, like, rigid way of seeing, uh, you know, all these assumptions about other people's motives, and it's like, it feels like. Media and uh, in a lot of ways is we're trying to just be perfect, and it feels like this legalistic thing that's like that. In a lot of ways, like I am politically that person that is you know s- agrees with a lot of these like sort of liberal ways of uh, seeing the so world about and, like, wokeness, and right? yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and there are the parallels
0: li- between religion and wokeness, at their worst, uh-huh, and uh-huh. at their best, maybe, Totally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It can be incredibly stale and, and just take all the magic out of um, life to view everything through, we were talking about this before, through the lens of, like, just identity, just, like, I am a white male like if I'm seeing everything through the lens of like right now I'm a 42 year old white male who's in your like in, and thinking about, can I say this in that context? Like it's impossible. It's just truly, um, and it almost like, it's like, you have to, it's like, it's a privilege for me to be here. I am not like, uh,
0: Hard to talk about, huh? It's very hard to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, already, like, first, gives me a pause. <laughs> just because it's like, yeah, there's... Uh, we know what it's like to be on the other side of the screen watching something going, you fucking idiot, don't you see the way that you're so wrong in this, you know, moment? But to also be with you here on your show and be like, there's a degree of like, yeah, I know anybody could my shit apart and be like you're you're so something you know you're so um out of touch with so many things you're so um privileged you know <laughs> and it's like uh I think it's nice to get to the place of like yes and like yes I all uh I'm enormously privileged um and like here we are and I hope I can like be a part of, uh, uh, I'm also like, I don't know anything. I don't have the answers for anything. I'm just he- and, like, to be having this conversation with you about stuff that's like really abstract stuff from God to music to LA to where all these places we're jumping, it's like, um, I mean, you can't be present And authentic, and be like constantly like policing your thoughts. And if you say something like wrong, like it's okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's okay, especially if you have like a posture of like, uh, like I'm not waving my middle finger around, trying to be like, Mm -hmm. this is my way. Um, Do you need more grace in general? Yeah. There's
0: a lack of grace in many, many different arenas in our culture right now. And I think it does need quite a bit of evening out. Well, I would love to end on your experience of mysticism and this thing that is beyond Mm. ourselves. You said that you experience that sort of feeling on stage, particularly if there's a massive crowd, Mm -hmm. I have fantasies about what that would feel like because I'm a huge energy person. I hate to sound like such a woo-woo California Mm -hmm. hippie stoner, but here I am. And I just, you know, if you're in the crowd in a moment like that and you feel that energy, there's like a pulsing, there's a shared experience. People are dancing at the same beat. Mm -hmm. It is, really transcendent when you're in that with other people and that's what i miss so much like throughout the pandemic just being in that energy with so many other people Mm -hmm. and the experience of being the conduit and the provider of that energy and the one that is leading that energy i can truly only imagine but Mm. Yeah,
1: tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sum it up for um, me. Yeah, I. It's funny because it is like big crowds. You're talking about like um, playing like Glastonbury and just uh, people as far in every direction as you can see. And for us, and it was specifically the time. Of thinking like one of the first times we were there and we we're touring our first record. We we're just like everything was raw. It's a feeling of like I. Uh, this could all fall apart and it's like scary and also (laughs) even more amazing because it's just like we don't really know what we're doing and yet here we are and um and yeah it's the reason like music is really unique for musicians in that like i think once you experience that you get a taste of that like um the amount of people the feeling that is, I guess, something about, like, I don't know, I mean, if it's, I I think it's mystical.
0: I pose that question to you as someone that I know leans into transcendence and mystical experiences just because, you know, you talk about religious upbringing and you care about that. Mm -hmm. But then I also know the other side of the coin where if it's purely egoic or you're filling a hole, when that moment ends and you're off stage, the same thing can happen with sex or many yeah. other areas in life. If like you're using that to fill a void, as soon as the experience is over, you can have a massive crash. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the things that, which that yeah, that is like a crazy thing. It be it's be the sort of like be careful what you wish for. You want like you're working so hard at something for so long, and then you get it, and you're like. Oh my god i was yeah filling my life trying to get this thing and really it's not about that what do i do you know like it is the crash in a lot of ways it comes back to that thing of like um with the deconstruction thing almost like that's when it gets interesting after the crash you know like at the moment when you're like um Oh my God! I've been everything that I've been working towards is to get to this thing, and now that I have it, and and I can't even get it back immediately. Like, um, that's where any like I don't know artist or that conflict I think is where things get really interesting. Where everybody you know, it's easy to idealize or fantasize. Like, if only I could have this thing in my life, then everything would be complete, and we all do it but it's much harder to be like, nah, it won't. Like, I think it keeps you in the present more to know like, ah, nothing's gonna complete me, it's terrible. <laughs> um, I yeah.
0: love it, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree that the crash is such a profound and beautiful place. And even with this channel, I call it God is Grey because I find that in that gray space where you don't know what the fuck anymore that is an invitation and that invitation can present itself in so many different areas of life yeah